Over the last couple of weeks, and included into now and moving forward throughout this month, we've been dealing with a lot of the ultimate things, mainly like the final things, what we're looking toward in the end and our final destination. And part of that, you know, we talked about the states of the church, where you have what we're in right now, the church militant, that we're all, you know, on this pilgrimage striving together. And we talked about the church triumphant, you know, the heavenly glory of all those, you know, encountering God face to face for all eternity and, you know, beyond our imagination of how good it is in the church triumphant. And that, you know, we mainly focused on that on All Saints Day. The day after, of course, is All Souls Day. We talked about the church suffering and those in purgatory. Well, throughout November, we pray in particular for those souls in the church suffering but also at this time of year, when we think about our own mortality, about the fact that our life does come to an end, and that continues on with these readings for this weekend, especially when you look at the comparison from that first reading from Maccabees. I mean, that's a tough account to sort of take in with those seven brothers who stand up for their faith right to the bitter end, even through that torture from the Greeks who were overcoming them. And then you compare that, that sort of bravery, that sort of standing up for something that speaks into eternity to the Sadducees and the other seven brothers that they bring up in sort of a flippant way to Jesus to try to, you know, paint him into a corner and make him essentially say that there's no resurrection. Well, of course, that's not the case. Our Lord, you know, points out the way in which they are wrong and explains a little bit more about what the resurrection entails. And this morning, what we could do is spend a little bit of time reflecting on what the church does in fact teach about the resurrection for you and for me, what that means that we will rise. And I'm going to quote kind of extensively from the catechism this morning. And the few paragraphs I'm going to quote, we'll make sure to put it on the website so you can see it. It'll be on Facebook, all that fun stuff. But uh, I'm going to quote from paragraph 996 through paragraph 1001. And I do that because it really summarizes well, kind of like the journalistic questions of the who, what, where, and when, about our resurrection, what our final destiny, so to speak, is. And it begins this way, I think it's so beautiful, kind of mentioning the fact that, yeah, people have a problem understanding the resurrection. In fact, it says this in 996. From the beginning, Christian faith in the resurrection has met with incomprehension and opposition. And quoting St. Augustine, it says this, on no point does the Christian faith encounter more opposition than on the resurrection of the body. It is very commonly accepted that the life of the human person continues in a spiritual fashion after death. But how can we believe that this body, so clearly mortal, could rise to everlasting life? And I'll just tell you as a personal aside, I mean, I literally have the catechism in front of me, and what I use as a bookmark is the holy card from the funeral I celebrated yesterday for Mrs. Virginia Schneider. So pray for the repose of her soul. But I tell you this too, like just the personal little example, is because I have a lot of funerals. And so if we don't understand what the church teaches about the resurrection of the body, ultimately it's like, well, then why am I doing this? Why are we having these masses? Why are we having the body or the cremated remains present This helps us to understand that. So how do the dead rise? 997, it says this. What is rising? 
In death, which is the separation of the soul from the body, the human body decays and the soul goes to meet God while awaiting its reunion with its glorified body. God in his almighty power will definitively grant incorruptible life to our bodies by reuniting them with our souls through the power of Jesus' resurrection. So, we know that when we die, our body and our soul are separated, but that's not the end of the story for our body. It's not like we finally escaped this shell and now we never have to worry about it again. No, we await that reunification. We talk about it in the creed. The next question, who will rise? All the dead will rise. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Think about the way that that first reading just ended, where he said, you know, you won't go for the resurrection of life to his torture, but willing to stick out his hands and his tongue and go through everything because he knows that he will get them back. Why? Because he knows that God is good. He believes in the resurrection of life. Okay, this is where it starts to get really fun. How? Christ is raised with his own body. He says in the Gospel of Luke, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. But he did not return to an earthly life. So in him, all of them will rise again with their own bodies, which they now bear. But Christ will change our lowly body to be like his glorious body into a spiritual body. So when you think about all of those resurrection accounts, think about all that we read during the Easter season of Jesus' interaction with the apostles. We know that he is there physically. His body is still there. I mean, what does he say in, you know, Thomas in his famous lines? Like, I will not believe unless I stick my finger into his hands and his sides. What does Jesus allow for him to do? Stick his finger into his hands and his sides. His body really and truly is there. In fact, one of my favorite quotes from all of scripture is where Jesus comes to the apostles and says to them so beautifully, do you have anything to eat? Isn't it great? You know, I mean, it's like you think about that after the resurrection, he still has his body, and yet, think about the mysterious aspects to it. You know, the the apostles are out fishing after the resurrection. Jesus calls to them from the shore. They don't recognize him at first. Eventually, St. John says, it's the Lord. And what does Peter do? He jumps right in and swims in. The rest of them haul the fish ashore, right? But his body is still there. He doesn't just come back from the normal earthly life. 40 days later, ascends into heaven. He doesn't, you know, I mean, (laughs) he doesn't do what I think most of us would do. You know, after you get crucified by somebody, I think I'd kind of like go to their house and be like, hey, still here. You know, but no, what does he do? He goes and he goes to those who love him so much, to his apostles who then lay down their lives for him. He has his body back. We have the hope of getting it back as well. And St. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians, but someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish man. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body which is to be, but a bare kernel. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. The dead will be raised imperishable. For this perishable nature must put on the imperishable. And this mortal, mortal, mortal nature must put on immortality. Anyway, continues on in paragraph 1000. This how exceeds our imagination and understanding. It is accessible only to faith. Yet, our participation in the Eucharist already gives us a foretaste of Christ's transfiguration 
of our bodies. And here's a quote from St. Irenaeus that's brilliant. Just as bread that comes from the earth, after God's blessing has been invoked upon it, is no longer ordinary bread, but Eucharist, formed of two things, the one earthly and the other heavenly, so too our bodies, which partake of the Eucharist, are no longer corruptible, but possess the hope of resurrection. Think about that. Okay, we get a shipment, right, of these plastic containers of little hosts, okay? They come from the Franciscan sisters in Alabama. If you wanted to right now, we could go back into the sacristy and I could give you a bunch of them. You could snack on them like a treat, okay? I'm not recommending that. They're not that tasty. But as we go through the Mass, as I pray that awesome prayer of consecration, and then they become the Eucharist. Think about what happens then after. It's not like we take those hosts and put them back in the plastic containers and throw them in the cap. No, we have the tabernacle. When we walk in here, we genuflect. Why? Because the earthly has been converted into the heavenly. And yet, the accidents of the earthly remain. It still looks the same, but it is different. It is mysterious. And as the catechism says, it exceeds our imagination and understanding. And yet, we have a foretaste. We hope for the same thing with our bodies, with the resurrection. The earthly that we have will be transfigured into that greater glory, and we look forward to it. Finally, the question is, when? When is this going to happen? Definitively, at the last day, at the end of the world. Indeed, the resurrection of the dead is closely associated with Christ's parousia, his coming again. And St. Paul says to the Thessalonians, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. How amazing that is. And that's why we look at this gift we've been given of our bodies. It's why we, you know, still give them glory and honor, give them reverence. It's why when someone dies, we don't just throw them out, right? Even if someone is cremated, we bury the cremated remains. We give honor to the body. We have our cemeteries and we pray for that joyful hope of the raising of the body. What will that look like exactly? I don't know. It's beyond our understanding and imagination, but what we do know is it will be glorious. Don't fall into the trap of being like the Sadducees, because that would be sad, you see. Um, you know, don't fall into that trap of not you know, looking forward to the resurrection. We have that hope of being like the Maccabees, of knowing that, yes, difficulties come in this life. Think about what we celebrate tomorrow, Veterans Day. It wouldn't make any sense if there is no resurrection. Why lay your life down if there's nothing after all of this? Rather, we know that our God has become one of us, like us in all things but sin, fully human and fully divine. He is risen from the dead and promised to come back and take us to himself. He who is the resurrection, the way, and the life. We know that he loves us. We know that he loves what he's made. We have that hope of being with him forever. My brothers and sisters in Christ, let's strive on towards that resurrection of life and never lose hope in the resurrection. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.